You are listening to the Bristow Advent Christian Church Podcast. Visit us on the web at bristowacc.net. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Good to see you here. Good to be here this morning with you in the house of the Lord. Seems like it's been a bit since I've been up here. Joe and I did have a good trip and good to be back home. Good to be here with you today. If you want to go ahead and turn to the text for today, it is Psalms chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, and that is entire Psalms number 8. So if you want to go ahead and turn to that, go ahead and somebody give me an amen when you get there. Some of you guys are really fast, getting good at that. It's good to see you. Good to see your smiling faces today. The Menorahstow weekend, the Menorahstow reunion is here today, right? Is that this, this weekend? I was wondering why Wyatt and Mason were the, their families were the only two show-ups today. I thought maybe something happened out there or something. But that's always a good time for them all to get together. But, uh, good to have you here this morning. Good to have our Beggs contingent with us today. Good to see you guys. Spent the whole day in Beggs yesterday. Woo! It's wet over there, isn't it? Amen. Amen. But it's good, good to see you. It's a beautiful day that the Lord has blessed us with today. It quit raining. You know what happened? It got summer, didn't it? Amen. Boy, it got sticky and humid tomorrow, but that's Oklahoma for you. And uh, and after all that rain, it's going to be sticky. But it's it's beautiful, sunshiny day that the Lord has blessed us with. He's blessed us with a good air conditioning system as well. Amen on that. Today we're going to talk about uh, who am I from Psalms chapter 8. And in, in my time of, of ministry, I've had several occasions where I, people have have. I've been talking to and ministering to, and even myself have used this term. I, I need to find out who I am now. And I always have, have something that I tell them. I said, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly who you are. You are Tony Webb. God made you to be Tony Webb. You are Joe Church. God made you to be Joe Church. You are Nurse Rinda. God made you to be Nurse Rinda. I know exactly who you are. You know, there are instances in life where we feel confused and don't know really where, who and what we are and what's going on in our lives, and those are confusing times for us. But, but today we're going to look at exactly who am I to God. We're going to look at Psalms 8 today in this sermon. We'll ask and answer that question, who am I? That the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name. We're going to have three points today from today's message. Number one, who are we? We are number one. We are created by God. Point number two, who are we? Number two, we are cared for by God. And point number three that we're going to look at today, who are we? We are crowned by God. As always, I'm thankful and blessed for the opportunity that God has given me to stand before you and share his word just a little bit with you this morning. I'm thankful for his amazing grace and for his, his forgiveness and his restoration. I'm thankful for, for his patience with us as we sometimes are a little hard-headed in the Lord's dealings with us, and sometimes we are a little hard of hearing when the Lord calls us, and sometimes we're a little hard-hearted when the Lord chooses us to do things. But I'm thankful for his patience with us. Tony, where's you rather be than right here, right now? Huh? Nurse Renda, this is your opportunity to shine. Who's got it any better than we do? No, no, Renda. You can do better than that. Nobody. Okay, Nurse Rinda, who's got any better than we do? There you go. That's what I'm talking about. You've been listening to Joe, hadn't you? 
Amen. All right, a few years back, uh, not that song, Stacy, the one we'll probably close with, one of my favorite Christian music groups, Casting Crowns, had a hit song titled, Who Am I? Beautiful song. Casting Crowns is a beautiful, beautiful songs, and I think we've, Shelly and I have seen them maybe once, maybe twice in concert. Beautiful concert that they have there, and this is one of my favorite songs that they had, Who Am I? And in the opening verse, lead singer Mark Hall asked that question, Who am I? Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way from my ever-wandering heart? Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow, a wave tossed in the ocean, a vapor in the wind. Yet still you hear me calling, you catch me when I'm falling, and you tell me who I am, I am yours. That message of that song, of just the opening stanza of that song and the, the course of that song plainly and, and powerfully conveys is, is this feeling that no matter how small, how insignificant, how, how lost we feel, the Lord of all the earth not only knows our name, but has made us each and every one special and calls us to be his own. A long time ago, in a land far, far away, I see T.J. perking up back there, don't go there, a songwriter wrote a similar hymn with the same message. When David considered the majesty, when, when David considered the greatness of God, he felt insignificant in comparison. Amen. Amen. In Psalms 8, David stands in awe. He stands in awe of the majesty of the Lord, and he realizes just how vast, just how magnificent God truly is. He's even more amazed that this vast and this amazing God, this magnificent God, would take the time to notice him, a mere mortal man. So let us stand together this morning as we read, as we read Psalms 8, verses 1 through 9, and we'll read the Word of God today, and we'll read this inspired hymn from David. And I guess I ought to turn there myself before we get going any further. Psalms chapter 8, verses 1 through 9 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and ox. Even the beasts of the field. And the birds of the air. And the fish of the sea. That pass through the seas. O Lord. Our Lord. How excellent is your name in all the earth. Father, thank you for your word today, Lord. And thank you, Father, for David, Lord. And, and just the majesty and magnificence, Father, that flooded his mind and flooded his heart, Lord, as he realized just, just how magnificent you really are, Father. 
and how insignificant we really are. But Father, still yet, Lord, you care about us. Still yet, Lord, you love us. Lord, I pray, Father, that that, that care and love today would be magnified in our lives and in our hearts. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take this word, Lord, and, and take the words of David, Father, and just magnify them in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, open up our eyes to, Lord, just how much you love us and just how magnificent you are. Lord, I pray your blessing upon our eyes and our ears today, Father. I pray that you would bless this time together, Lord. I pray that you would take the words of your servant, Lord, and, and make them greater than that which I have, Father. Use my mouth, use my heart, Lord. Thank you, Father, for these lives, Lord. Thank you for how you use them. Thank you for how they love you, Lord, and how they love your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone once wrote about the eighth psalm that David wrote here today. Someone once noted this. He said, this psalm is an unsurpassed example of what a hymn should be. He said it celebrates, it celebrates as it does the glory and the grace of God. It rehearses who he is and what he has done and relates us and our world to him in a spirit of mingled joy and unprecedented awe. In this beautiful expression of praise to God, David stands amazed. He stands amazed that the God of creation, the great and glorious Yahweh, would pay attention to the frail people of this earth. That God would focus attention and lavish His love on us is proof of our dignity as creatures made in the image of God. We discover our true values. We discover our true worth only when we make God the reference point of our lives. In other words, we matter because we matter to God. Apart from knowing God, we have no understanding of who or what we really are. What role we're supposed to play in this great universe. But through the guidance of God, through the guidance of His Word, through the guidance of His Holy Spirit, David reveals three wonderful truths today that declare our value, the inherent value of humanity, and the awesome majesty of God. The first truth again today that we're going to look at is that we are, number one, created by God. Stacy's quick with that up there. Good job. David was mesmerized by the majesty of God. Remember, he writes here in verse 3, I look at your heavens which you made with your fingers, I see the moon and the stars which you created. Scientists and philosophers have long debated. They have long discussed the origins of the universe. But Bible-believing Christians hadn't discussed or argued that at any point or time. We have known all along that from Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and God created the earth. Sir Isaac Newton was a very famous mathematician and a great scientist and made a pretty good cookie, too. I don't know if you like Fig Newtons. I don't really care for them, but maybe you do. He was a brilliant man with math and, and science, and he strongly believed in God. However, he had a very close friend who, who did not believe in God whatsoever. So Sir Isaac devised a plan to convince his friend that God did exist and that God had indeed created the universe. One day, he went to a carpentry shop, 
and asked the owner to make a model of our solar system. This model was to be made to scale, intricately painted, and designed to resemble as closely as possible the actual solar system. Now, after several weeks of work, Isaac went and picked up the model. He paid for it, and he placed it right in his home, right at the center of the table there in the kitchen. Sometime later, his atheist friend came over for a visit. When he came in the door, he arrived there, and the model of the solar system was right there, and it caught his eye right off the bat. And he asked Sir Isaac, can I look at that a little bit closer? And the atheist inspected that model. He was impressed by the fine craftsmanship. He was blown away by the beauty of the pieces. And after a while of looking at it and admiring it, the friend asked Sir Isaac, uh, who crafted this wonderful model for you? Who made this? And Sir Isaac promptly replied that no one had made that model. It had just appeared right there on the kitchen table out of nowhere. Confused, the friend, the friend repeated the question, and yet uh, Newton stubbornly clung to his answer. That model, he said, appeared out of thin air. Finally, the friend became a little upset, and Isaac explained the purpose of his answer. He said, if I cannot convince you, my friend, that this crude replica of the solar system had just happened by accident, how could the friend believe that a real solar system, with all of its complexity, all of its design, all of its beauty, appeared just by time and just by chance? The point is this. Design always demands a designer, amen? And creation always requires a creator. The heavens declare the glory of God. They are a marvelous display of His craftsmanship. Psalms 19.1 The fingerprints of God are everywhere. Everywhere you look, you see God's handiwork. David specifically mentions as an example the moon and the stars. Now, the moon may seem like a lifeless ball of dust floating around up there in the sky. It was beautiful last night, rising over Begs, Oklahoma. Bright and shiny out there. It may look like a lifeless dust ball in the sky, but it serves some very important functions for us here on earth. The moon provides us with light at night. The Bible says in Genesis 1.16 that God made two great, two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. The moon also causes our oceans to rise and to fall. Its gravitational pull on earth is just right to cause the, earth, the oceans to circulate themselves. This movement helps the seas to cleanse themselves and absorb oxygen. The tides are needed for the oceans to support life. The work of God's fingerprints is evidenced by something that we see as a lifeless ball of dust up there, it is evidenced by our perfect moon. If it were too big, it would cause dangerous tidal waves and earthquakes. If it were too small, the oceans would become stagnant and unable to support life. Now, did, did you see any of those stars last night while you were out there? Ralph Waldo Emerson once wrote this. We seem to take those stars out there for granted. He said, if they were only visible only once a century, everyone on earth would stay up all night long and sit outside and gaze at them. The heavens really do declare the glory of God. But God is not only the creator of the universe, not only the creator of the moon and the stars and 
all that we see out there. He is the creator of you and me. Because in verse 5, he, David writes this, you made us a little lower than yourselves. Human beings, you and I, are God's most marvelous creations. You want to know what I think the most miraculous thing that I, these eyes will ever see here on earth? Ronnie was holding her right out there. He's got a baby. You and I, human beings, are the most marvelous creation the God of the universe bothered to create. And that proves just how important you and I are to Him. We're not here by accident. We're not a fluke of nature. You're not a byproduct of irresponsible parents. You were handmade by God Himself. God prescribed every single detail of your body. Your skin, your hair, your lack thereof, and every other feature. He custom made you the way He wanted you. You are wonderfully and marvelously made. But our value... And God's majesty doesn't stop at creation. David also tells us here in point number two for today that we are cared for by God. David expressed his wonder by saying this in verse four. What are people that you should care about them? What are people that you should think about them? Mere mortals that you should care for them. What we know about the universe today, the size and the magnitude of the universe today, makes the earth and its inhabitants look more insignificant than they did in David's day. Our knowledge is light years from David's back then. Our knowledge of light years and the reaches of outer space give us more reason to ask, what is man that you are mindful of him? And that Hubble telescope thing they got out there, that really makes us look insignificant. I'm going to share something with you. I'm, I'm kind of goofy sometimes. You know, they have that Hubble thing out there, and they'll show that thing out there. And th those th pictures and stuff and all those gases and stuff coming together, and they say these are forming planets and making all this stuff out there. And some of those scientists say, this is proof that there ain't no God. They're just out there doing it on their own. You know what I think? When God said, light be, that word is still traveling out there light years away, and it's still creating words because God's word is alive, and God's word will remain alive no matter how far out it gets. That's what I think. When God said be, that word is still traveling out there and creating stuff. That Hubble telescope is magnificent. Yet in his great love, the Lord chooses the earth for himself. And the Lord created us in His own image. God is mindful of us, and God does care for us. In his book, The Purpose Driven Life, Pastor Rick Warren writes this. He said, why did God go to all this trouble? Why did He bother to go to all this trouble to create a universe for us? Because He is a God of love. And this kind of love is difficult for us to fathom. It is difficult for us to, to wrap our mind around the God kind of love. We struggle with it all of our lives. It's tough for us to fathom. But it's fundamentally reliable. You were created as a special object of God's love. God made you so He could love you. 
This is a truth that we build our lives on. The Bible says this, I have carried you since you were born. I have taken care of you from your birth. Even when you are old, I will be the same. Even when your hair is turned gray, I will take care of you. I made you, and I will take care of you. I will carry you, and I will save you. In Isaiah 46, 3 and 4. God is constantly demonstrating His love for us. The Bible says that God can open the windows of heaven and pour out a great blessing that there is not enough room to receive it. Just as He once gave fishermen enough fish to sink the boat, so can He give us more blessings than we have the capacity to enjoy. The Almighty can bless us with blessings of heaven above and of earth beneath, blessings of grain and flowers and blessings of reaching to the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills in Genesis 49, 25, and 26. When in the course of life, God's children enter unto new paths, God's love, God's care goes before them. That is, He anticipates the blessings that we will require and puts them in our path. You're never going to hear God say, I never saw that coming. He anticipates the blessings we will require and puts them in our path. He knows the things we have need of before we have need of them and before we've got sense enough to ask for them. It's kind of like this. Expectant parents, they enjoy fixing up the baby's room and during that nine months and what is it, 40 weeks, is it 40 weeks? Some of you mothers tell me yes or no. 41? 41? It was always nine months. How many? 40. Okay. It was always nine months for me, and then they switched to weeks, and I am completely lost now. But during that 40 weeks, it takes a child to arrive. We know that that little bundle of joy is going to need diapers, so we go on and we get some, don't we? We get some before the baby gets there. We know that baby's going to need to eat, so we buy formula and baby food. We know that newborns sleep a lot, so we put together a complex crib with so many parts that we got a few left over when we're done. You see, God goes before us like that. God goes before us like that. Before we came into the world, God made it inhabitable. Before we needed salvation, God made it possible. Before we needed instruction and guidance, God gave us His Word. Before we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God offers eternal life. And before we entered into eternity, God opened the gate for us. God's care, God's loving care for humankind was ultimately demonstrated by Jesus who went to the cross. When the mob came to take him into the garden, in the garden of Gethsemane, he says, don't you know I could have called 12 legions of angels? That's 72,000 angels that Jesus could have had right at his side like that. But he didn't. He had the power to run away from interrogation of the Jewish council from Pilate and Herod, but Jesus chose not to do so. Instead, he chose to endure ridicule. He, 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 he chose to do physical and mental torture. Jesus, instead of that, chose the nails because Jesus, instead,
instead of that, chose you and I. In our mind's eye, as, as we catch glimpses of Calvary, and we see the great cost at which our salvation came, and we see the vast love of God manifested on the old rugged cross, as insignificant as humanity may seem in relation to the whole of the created universe, it was still for humankind that Jesus went to the cross. Jesus didn't die to save the rainforest. He didn't die to save the humpback whale. He didn't die to save the spotted owl. Get this now. The God of the universe has but one son. And that son died to save you and me. If that does not tell you. If, if that doesn't show you how much you are worth to God. Then nothing ever will. Yet there's still one more marvelous truth that we're going to look at today. Reveal here concerning God's majesty and, and man's dignity. Finally, David tells us that we are, point number three today, crowned by God. David declared this. He said, you have crowned him with honor and glory. You have made him rule what your hands created. You have put everything under his control. All the sheep, the cattle, the wild animals, the birds, the fish, whatever swims in the currents of the sea in verses 5 through 8. You see, God gave human beings a level of power and a, a, a level of authority that He chose not to give anything else in all of creation. He has given us authority. He has given us responsibility of all the creatures, large and small, for which we share our world with. And as Stan Lee and Spider-Man are so fond of saying, with great power comes great responsibility. As Christians, we have a responsibility to take care of the earth and everything in it. But more than that, be, beyond that, this verse also speaks of our worth as human beings. In all of creation, from microscopic amoebas to megaton whales, only human beings were created in the image of God. While all of creation does indeed declare God's glory, only humanity can reflect God's glory. Walt Whitman once said this. He said, I think that, it would, that I would like to live with the animals because they are so tranquil. That's a pretty good thought there, isn't it? Of course, neither did they write beautiful poetry like Walt Whitman did. And they never will. Only people are capable of painting a portrait or composing a masterpiece because only people are made in God's image. On the whole, another level though, as we look at this here, this psalm is messianic in, in nature as well. That is that David is not only speaking about man's authority over creation in general, but he is also specifically, also specifically about the son of man's authority over all the earth. The author of Hebrews tells us that even though God gives us dominion, and authority over the earth because of the fall, we don't see people being real responsible about that, do we? And actually ruling over the earth as God intended. But Hebrews 2.9 tells us this, what we do see is Jesus. What we do see is Jesus, who is given a position a little lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory, he is now crowned with honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death 
for everybody in Hebrews 2.9. This psalm not only looks backward toward creation, but it also looks forward to the coming of the Christ. Jesus was made a little lower than the angels, and Jesus has been crowned with glory and honor, and it is in Jesus that we truly discover who and what we are. we truly discover how much we are really worth to God. In Christ, we recover majesty in Him because the people of God, that's to become the people of God that God wants us to be. It is in Christ that we become who God designed us to be. Now let me wrap this up. So as David sat back with his pen in hand or quill in hand, I guess it was back then, or whatever it is that he wrote with, and his parchment in the other, to reflect on God's glory, to, to look at God's majesty. He struggled with many deep questions that we face today. Who am I? Who am I? What, is, what am I, God, that you would take thought of me? Who am I, God, that you would, 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 would be active and working in our lives? Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name? Whenever we feel worthless, the words of this psalm should encourage us. We and all other human beings are valuable because God himself created us in his own glorious image. Number one, we are created by God. And number two, God cares for us with an unrelenting love. And number three, he crowns us with glory and with honor. If you ever feel small, if you ever feel insignificant, if you ever feel confused about who you are and what you are and all this life that's going on, and it can happen real easily, it, it very easily can happen. If you ever feel small and insignificant, remember that you matter to God. Remember that you matter to God. The Lord of all the earth knows you by name. That just blows my mind. The Lord of all the earth knows your name and feels your hurt. The bright and morning star wants to light the way for our ever-wandering heart. He hears us when we call. He catches us when we fall. And He alone can tell us who we really are. We are created by God. We are cared for by God. We are crowned for by God. We are 